Hey there, conductors. If you've ever felt that you're not quite sure what to do next when you're studying a score, maybe you don't even know where to start with a difficult piece. Maybe you study one piece too much and then you realize at the first rehearsal that you don't know another one well enough. Or maybe you're a new conductor and you don't know what score study is. I'm excited to share that I'm finally publishing and sharing my score study checklist. I've been refining this for 12 years now, and I'm so excited to share it. It is going to walk you through my structure, my process to make sure that I learn every score that I need to learn well enough and so that nothing falls through the cracks. So it covers everything that you need to know. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click it, sign up, and you'll get that score study checklist sent right to your email. You'll also get access to an eight-minute video of me explaining what each section is and how I use it to organize all the music that I need to learn. It's only eight minutes, so it's not going to take you a whole hour to learn how to study better, how to put up a process for your score study and how to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So again, click the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you soon. Now, please enjoy this episode of Podium Time. Welcome to Podium Time, the podcast for conductors and students. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to this second special episode of Podium Time. My name is Jeremy D. Cuevas, and I'll be your host today. This week, we sat down to chat with Julius Williams, president of the International Conductors Guild, and we're also experimenting with releasing some shorter, more focused episodes of the podcast. In our first release, a couple days ago, we talked with Julius about conducting and composing for the ensemble that you have in front of you. And today, we're going to be discussing how Julius learns scores quickly, and some of the lasting lessons he took from his composition and his conducting teachers. We'll also round out the interview with some of our regular endings, with a quick hit of some of his composition positions that you should listen to and his final advice for everybody. You'll probably notice a pretty drastic change in audio quality about four minutes in and that's just due to some issues we were having with our Zoom call. As always, I'd like to extend a huge thank you to our supporters on Patreon who help keep the lights on here at Podium Time by supporting us with just a few bucks a month. You can find the links to our Patreon, our social medias, and our website in the show notes of your podcast player. There's also a link there to the International Conductors Guild website, which you should join if you're not already a member. And speaking of the Conductors Guild, you can use the code PODIUMTIME for 20% off your first purchase from pagubatons.com. That's Podium Time with no spaces, and I originally connected with Phil from Pagu at the Guild Conference in Montreal this past February. But for now, please enjoy part two of our interview with Julius Williams. So with with sudden, you know, you've got so much going on. You're writing, you're you're conducting all this new music. How do you balance, you know, learning all that new music, and and writing and all this other time? I before I would be saying that, um, you know, I don't know how I'm doing it, but right now since we had a month and a half, two months and a half, all I've been sitting <laughs> is, is is looking at scores and. Uh, and um, writing pieces, so I have plenty of time now. But um, you know, usually it's the, the other good thing is that since I've I've um, did so many pieces, I can learn pieces really quick, and I can read really quick. I can know your piece in about you know you know superficially in about you know like twenty minutes or so, and then if I start studying, <laughs> I get okay, I got got it and so but that's after doing you know hundreds of pieces and and now it's like oh okay i got it and they'll say oh 
No, I, 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 I pretty much re read it. And also, you're working with students also, so you're reading fast and you, and you're looking at the score. That's the good thing about you know sometimes teaching at a school like Berkeley, where you have a lot of composers, and uh, you begin to absorb stuff much quicker and much faster than um, you know most people would do. So that's a very good thing. Mm -hmm. So could you could you walk us through sitting down with a new score? What is what is all of that look like for you? Well, the first thing is I superficially read through it. So if I don't have the piano, usually I don't, I won't go to the piano. I'll sit there and, and just sing the parts in my head. So it doesn't take as long as you think. I'll just sing the, the lines and then I can hear the harmony. Sometimes if it's a piece with, uh, uh, you know, with, with a lot of strange harmonies or colors that are not so harmonic, I may have to go and sit there and play it. But, you know, usually I will, you know, sing through the piece. You know, this year, for example, we did, I did the, um, the ASCAP Awards, um, the Rudolf Nissen Awards we did this year. And we had to look at 300 pieces in about a few hours. So you began to, to absorb the music. And you can see going, I can see if it has any attic material or any kind of, of connections or, you know, um, phrase lines, or if there's something color wise, or there's a, mm -hmm. what I, the first thing I look for is some kind of, of connection that makes the piece work. And, you know, usually, you know, young composers, you know, because they can't sustain things all that long. So usually what happens is they'll go for about eight measures and then they got another idea and then go for another yeah. measure, and then it goes <laughs> and they got another measure and then and you sitting there going like uh, okay you know there's no mm. development of any time it doesn't matter what even if it's some crazy wild piece usually there's some kind of through line or something to it i look for the through line of the piece and see see where it's going you know um, you know, what instruments are playing and, you know, how it's being played. If the, if the piece requires a lot of soloistic stuff or if the piece is more section, you know, section stuff. Um, you know, some pieces are, are written where, you know, melody and, you know, and, and harmonic sections. Others are, you know, written just for soloistic colors. So everybody's a solo, yeah. a different piece. So, you know, you just have to figure out what the piece is like, you know, anything. So Yeah. And then when you're when you're learning you know, when you're learning a score like really really deeply for for you know, a really serious performance, what are the next kind of steps that you take? Yeah, it's still pretty much the same thing, you know, usually, you know, and you can never really know you can know what the piece sounds like, and you can get an idea what yeah. it's really like. Uh, but you can never really know until you get in front of the ensemble that you're working with, and and whether it works. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, like this recently with this opera that you know got the Pulitzer. When you know, I got the piece at first. There was so many strange mistakes and strange stuff that was in it. You know, and you know, I had to go and really 
fixing telecomposer. This is not going to work. That's not going to work. This, you know, you got this, even though it's in the range you read in the book, but this will not work. You know, so, and, and for this, you know, you may have gotten, but this is not going to work because of such and such and such and such. If we had this performer there, then it might work, but we don't have that performer. So we got to figure out how to make this work and sound good on stage. So, um, you know, that, that, like I said, you can never, you can, you can get an idea, but you can never really get a grasp on the piece until you put it in some of the ensemble that you have. You can know what it, it sounds like. You can know, you know, a particular example, I had a, um, I went to record a piece by this composer, actually. Um, he was a composer that I built this um, program, Notion, Notion Music, you know. Oh, yeah. And we we actually invented it at Berkeley. It was it was invented, and the chair of our department invented the program. We use it for conducting, actually, because we can put the program in, and we can set up the room like a, a virtual orchestra, and the students can play the orchestra, and then somebody can conduct, and they will follow the conductor. But we invented that program years ago. Uh, his name was Jack Jarrett, and he decided to go to um, India and put all his money in it and develop the program into, you know, uh, you know what it was to get the right sound to make it sound like a somewhat of an orchestra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, the reason why I'm saying this is that he was expert in technology. And I recorded his symphony number one, his first symphony. And every day he would give me a, a new CD of how he tweaked the the piece. And, and by the before I went to Prague to conduct it, I had about thirty CDs of what this symphony is supposed to sound like. Yeah. So he's trying to give me his, you know, what he figured out what this is going to be, what it's going to be, and you know. So he gave me this whole, all these CDs and expected me to listen to it. He thought, of it. I said, yeah, I'm listening to it. It's great. Don't worry about that. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to score. Went to, you know, Prague. Started, you know, started recording. He said, wow, you, you got it. You figured out how it goes. You know, my CDs must have... And I handed him, I had it in the bag. I said, I didn't listen to none of this. Take this back. <laughs> I went to <laughs> He was like, everybody started laughing. Why would I listen to that? I didn't listen to that. You think I'm going to sit there and listen to what you've got from the computer? Even though he was a, he's an expert, fantastic musician, and a, a, you know, a wizard at, at the, you know, creating sounds and, and he went to London and sampled, you know, the London Symphony and all that stuff. I didn't uh-huh. do one thing because I knew what the orchestra I was going to deal with and I knew, you know, what sounds I could make from that orchestra. You know, you can't... In fact, you, to be honest with you, I I don't even want your, your MIDI file. Don't even send it to me. I don't even want to see it, hear it, or bring it to me. I don't even look at them. People say, can I send you a video? I usually say, no, I don't want it. Because you can't look at the score, and unless it's some electronic thing, 
that is, it depends on electronic sounds or something, then that's a different story. But if you, you know, I don't need to, you know, mock up CD. I don't need to look at that because if you can't, if, if that's what you, if that's how you learn your piece, you don't need to be conducted. So, yeah. I, 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 in fact, I have never. They said, can you send me? I just say, no, just give me the score. All I want to see is what you got on, on the paper to get the idea what the piece is. Then we can talk about it. But other than that, I don't need to you hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds arrogant, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I was wondering if you could talk about some some of your teachers and some of the lessons that you still think of, some of the lasting lessons from your teachers. Um, I have a lot, you know, uh, let's see, John Cigliano, he, he gave me, because he was writing at that point, when I was studying, he was writing, the, um, I think, the, he just finished the movie to Alt- Altered States. And he was also writing uh, the clarinet concerto for the New York Philharmonic. So what I learned from him is, is you know, the color, how to create color. But at that time, he was really writing in serial, you know, and I wasn't doing that. You know, I wanted to write, you know, more, you know, popular kind of music and popular sounds. And I wasn't into that. And you know we we fought a little bit, but you know I, I learned a lot from him. But I learned a lot. The one I learned the most is uh, you may not know him that well, but you know, his name is Coleridge Taylor Perkinson. Uh, he was a, a fantastic musician and and composer and writer. I learned you know how to write things, how to write fast, how to. And, and, you know, one thing you should say is, you know, you can sit all day and, 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 and tweak over something 45 times. That doesn't make it better. Yeah. Look at the first few times that you did it. Usually, a lot of times, it's the best idea. Although you may go back and look at it later on, but I find that be true. Try to put down what your, yeah, your initial a lot better. Are. And of course, you'll, you know, you go back and tweak it and that, you know, uh, I, I, which comes in handy. I just wrote a piece for the Boston Symphony that supposedly premiered this year, but uh, it's mm-hmm. postponed to to this coming season, and we don't know when it's going to be. You know, because of the uh, all the stuff that's going on, and you know, you know, I look you know, in the sense I know the orchestra, so I'm able to 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 write for that for the orchestra. You know, so it's, it's yeah. But they taught me. Uh, the word I should say is that what what they did teach me is um, is the ability to you know uh, to go with your first instincts and the child instincts. Now conducting okay. is another thing. Conducting is a whole other thing. I had a teacher that was from Lithuania. He used to scream at me all the time, and what that taught me was. No matter what's going on around you, don't get rattled at all. Stay good, you know. Stay in control. Don't get all something going on. Learn and then sit there and figure out what you can do and fix it because that's the usually the biggest problem. You know how to make something work. And 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 at first I thought he was just you know a pain in the butt, but later on I discovered you know he taught me a lot, gave me a lot of information. So that's the 
character. Mm-hmm. And my other teacher, uh, Ulysses K, who was he was like the uh, dean of composers for African American composers, next to William Grant. Still, Ulysses mm-hmm. K is the next major African American composer, and he, you know, he taught me uh, how to write counterpoint and how to write lines, and so they were. You know, you know, I had some really good, you know, uh, to, to to be able to conceptualize music and look at it and understand how how to put it together. So, yeah. Do you do you think your your composition changed or the way that you saw this music as you were writing it, as you were conducting other things or becoming a better conductor? I think I'm becoming better. You know, I'm trying, and it's really hard because you have so many <laughs> different pieces, and you say, "Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that." You know, I'm trying. You know, it's really that's why if I'm a period of conducting a lot, I don't write that much. But if I'm a period of right now, I'm writing pieces, and I can sit and write. So that way, I'm not, you know, kind of listening to somebody else's. Stuff and, and and incorporating. So that's the bad thing about being a composer and a conductor because you start to. I don't want to be the kind that you absorb in somebody else's. They want to make sure that that you know you come with your own ideas, your own thoughts, your own and nothing's ever totally original. But at least you got you know you have your own mindset towards a piece, not thinking of somebody else's piece that you're doing. So, which mm-hmm. is probably the hardest thing, actually. So, well, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a it's a interesting kind of dynamic, you know, between you know trying to be a composer and then being a conductor. But they both have their you know, <laughs> great moments. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it just keeps you busy you know so yeah um well julius we don't want to take too much of your time if um we've got two last questions is there anything <laughs> that we haven't covered that you wanted to talk about yeah i don't want to you know mention about the you know the conductors girl and absolutely tell people that you know um you know we have a strong organization since um and we're trying to be at the um to bring conductors together and 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 you know not just do workshops but really you know, I'm trying to you know like next week I have Joanne Folletta and I have uh, mm-hmm. uh, John Carlo and Lynn Slack and last week I'm trying to bring you know the major conductors to talk about their experience like we're talking here yeah. uh, you know we're conductors so we have to you know, really, there's nowhere else to go because she's a maestro. <laughs> don't have anybody to talk to. So, but yeah. we and uh, and it's and I think it's good that we had this conversation. We could talk about music, or um, any type of music, or style of music, which is a good. So, you know, one of the things I guess we didn't really talk about all that much were your compositions specifically. So what are, you know, what would you say are uh, your top five works that if someone were to say, um, what, what compositions 
can portray you the most in just a few short pieces, what what would you give a listener um, to listen for? I don't know. I, uh, you know, composers hate their own composition, but I would probably <laughs> <laughs> I would say I like my piece Midnight Tools that I wrote in in uh, September 11th. That's an interesting piece. Uh, I wrote. Then I have a piece called Meditation that's been performed a lot. It's a, it's a, you know, it's 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 not simple, but it 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 it, it, it transcends color and sound and makes you want to think it as melodic. And yeah, those are two completely different styles of composition. So I would say those two. I have um, I'm right now just trying to finish re-editing a ballet that I wrote. Um, let me see some other pieces. I'm trying to think of uh, uh, my new piece I just wrote because it's new for the for the nobody heard it yet. But the Boston Symphony doing a little piece on um, on 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 a, a woman who is um, um, African and and um, Caucasian, and she um, went to New England Conservatory and was the beginning of of um, study of African. And African American music. So I'm writing. I wrote a piece for the Philharmonic on. I mean, for the, for the Boston Symphony on that. I kind of like that. I guess that's a new, my newest piece. Um, let's see what I am talking. Always hard to say what I have a, a song cycle for baritone and orchestra that you know, I like. There's some pieces of mine that I don't like. <laughs> and you know, you get like I said, you can pull a lot, a lot of recordings up. You can pull them up, provide some of my pieces on, on YouTube or, or Centaur Records or Albany Records. You can pull them up. Perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll share those. And then Julius, um, thanks so much for your time. Our last question is. Um, what's uh, what's some advice that you would send out to all conductors in the early parts of their career? The first thing is that, that listen to a lot of music and try to watch other ensembles. And and if you can, try to create your own ensemble. You need to, in order to be a conductor, you got to go and, and be in front of an ensemble. Perfect. Again, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your your patience with with Zoom and some of our technological difficulties. But we're uh, we're so happy to get this chance to talk with you. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. Stay in touch. Uh-huh. <laughs> All Abs- right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See you later. Thanks.
Thanks so much, Julius. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podium Time and listening all the way to the end. You've joined the full episode club. If you'd like to get more from the podcast, consider joining the Podium Time Inner Circle group on Facebook or check out our Patreon page for bonuses like behind-the-scene discussions and other educational extras. Links are in the show notes or at podiumtimepod.com. Mendelssohn's Italian Symphony was performed by the Czech National Symphony Orchestra and Beethoven's Egmont Overture was performed by Stefano Ligorati. Mm-hmm.